When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, all your life, you've been told if you want to achieve something, you got to set goals, set objectives, and then figure out how to achieve them, how to reach that end goal. So clearly in best ball, that's what we should be doing, right? I have my end goals. I have things I want to figure out. I set that objective and I march towards that, that new goal. But what I'm here to tell you today is that's not true. That's not what we should be doing. We should actually be doing something very, very, very different. And it revolves around stepping stones. We'll get into it uh, maybe right now. What is going on, guys? Happy, happy Thursday. I don't know if you saw. We're just going to get the teaser out of the way first. Right away. Tomorrow, every Friday, we have Draft Club, right? Where we draft a best ball team. Rob Coakley at King Coakley on Twitter is going to be joining me. And we are going to be doing, um, kind of launching a new first Friday show. Draft Club with a twist where we're going to be kicking off the With a Twist portion tomorrow and every Friday thereafter, where we're going to do some fun stuff while we draft best ball teams. we got to liven up this space, man. Everybody is just drafting constantly. You know, um, this space is really fun. Best ball is really fun. There's millions of dollars up for grabs. It's a new and booming space, so everybody's getting super interested in it, and that's awesome for us. However... (laughs) It's uh, I even sometimes get get bored myself and I work in this in this space and I'm obsessed with this with this space. It's just like, honestly, are we really just going to talk about the same shit all year and draft teams? Oh, it's the eighth round. Who do I like here? And oh, MVS is here again. Oh, shit. Take an MVS again. You know, damn it. Oh, my God. Third round Kyle Pitts, baby third round Kyle Pitts did you know that Kyle Pitts is really just a wide receiver that we get to play at tight end like how many fucking times can I say <laughs> these things right so Fridays we're gonna start something a little bit different we're gonna try to spice things up have some fun and tomorrow since it's the 4th of July holiday weekend and what is one thing not the thing one thing <laughs> that the 4th of July holiday weekend is famous for but Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And so myself and Rob are going to have a hot dog eating contest best ball draft where we set out to eat a hot dog for every selection that we make. We are going to be drafting on drafters in their $2.22 tournament because I will not, I will absolutely not spend 
a significant amount of money as I make myself sick while drafting. Um, so we're going to be drafting on, on drafters. If you've not signed up for drafters and you would like to join us during that draft tomorrow at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern or 2 p.m. Eastern, I should know. But anyway, that's my plug. Tomorrow, I will see you guys tomorrow. Today, I, I mentioned this last week. I like weirdly get really excited for these these conversations because these Thursday shows, these theory and strategy shows give me this kind of chance to like, um, if you guys know me, I'm very kind of always different stuff is going on in my head. Um, theorizing and strategizing around different stuff. Sometimes I think it might be really smart and sometimes it's probably very stupid, but I think it's important to go through this process of setting out, uh, you know, to, to, to learn and strategize around this new game, this game that's like completely new and we don't have any answers to any of this. And that's actually kind of the subject of what we're going to talk about today. And um, I mentioned, or in the, you know, in the title and in the thumbnail, you see that it talks about stepping stones. And in the intro, I mentioned that there's this, there's this idea that for whatever reason has been ingrained into us as humans, that the best way to achieve some form of a goal let me take a step back. The best way to kind of achieve greatness is by setting a goal that is great, right? I want to find the optimal structure, the optimal roster construction in best ball because that will help me win millions of dollars. So I'm going to set out to go find that. But what something that has just this week, like almost like <laughs> it's just been crazy you randomly stumble across these things that um, like really just like sh shake you up and, and uh, make you change the way you think about like tons of different things in life. And I actually think um, again, I'm happy for this Thursday show because if you know me at all, you know that um, actually like most of the content and everything that I listen to is very much not fantasy football related. Um, I spend a lot of my time listening to, um, entrepreneurial type content. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, but basketball and comedy and movies. And I'm, I've gotten really into formula one and different stuff like that. And I, I, I find for me personally, that some of the, maybe I don't want to say best, but some of the most interesting thought provoking potential, uh, potentially like, I guess, highest upside, ideas and strategies come from these these things this other content that i'm consuming or this other space that has zero to do literally zero to do with fantasy football like absolutely nothing and um and i do think that's kind of important you know everybody gets just so down in the weeds and we've been doing this fantasy football thing for quite a while now that people just like oh it's a new off season Got to do my projections, got to go look at all the stats, got to watch the film, got to, you know, put together my rankings, and then I'm going to go conquer these drafts. And now with best ball, it's like, I'm going to look at, you know, I'm going to look at how best ball mania two went last year, and I'm going to do some of this, and I'm going to, I'm going to get that edge. But I actually think we can take like a lot of really insightful things from spaces that are, that really don't have anything to do with, with even like sports. And so um, there's a podcast that I listen to called invest like the best i have no idea 
if this is uh, something that any of you guys have ever heard of. Here you're seeing it on my screen here called Invest Like the Best uh, with Patrick O'Shaughnessy. It's one of my favorite if you're into like the business. You don't even have to be like into the business space at all. It's just a lot of like interesting like life stuff. It's obviously business um, investing and entrepreneurial focused, but I learn a lot like just in general from this. And you see the top episode there, June 28th, uh, uh, the, came, came out this week with Kenneth Stanley. And um, he, he is a, a professor and um, he's real. He, so you see in the description there, he's a computer science professor, but he was uh, he's become very big in uh, the world of AI artificial intelligence and this was one of so there's a couple things that have like changed my life i guess i would say um totally outside of obviously best ball has changed my life outside of it um the book atomic habits if you have not read atomic habits that's like probably my biggest book recommendation and then this podcast has like i've re-listened to it multiple times because there's so many things that after you listen to it, it makes so much sense, but we've are, we've been trained so differently in how we just like live our lives. And it's in, and, and, and obviously where I'm going to equate it to best ball here, but it's so true for best ball. And we'll get to this idea of stepping stones, but what Ken talks about essentially in this episode that you, that you see here is this, idea that greatness can't be planned and like achieving something great and something monumental something complex is not something that we can like set an objective for um best ball moderate says a lot of a lot of dfs people pump atomic habits i'm one of them i'm definitely i'm definitely one of them uh it's back there on the it's back there somewhere on the bookshelf. It is uh, changed my life, completely changed my life for the better. Um, that book, FSN Edward recommends, if you like atomic habits, look into high performance habits. I will. As soon as I get off here, I will. But so this podcast episode, which is literally only an, a little over an hour, I highly recommend it. What Ken, what Ken brings up that he discovered, you know, this guy is like a 10,000 times smarter than I am. What he has kind of discovered through also something he discovered through random chance, not through an objective is basically that the things that we want to achieve, right? The goal, the objective, we don't get there through the things that we want. So let me, let me, a uh, uh, best ball example would be I want to find out what the optimal roster construction is, right? Everybody does go look on Twitter. There's probably a new article out there today that somebody says, when should you take your first running back? How many wide receivers should you take? Do you need an elite tight end? Do you need an elite quarterback? People are going to do all of this stuff and they're going to look at all the things that they think they should look at to try to find that answer. But this space is actually very complex. We, we may think it's silly, and it is honestly <laughs> pretty silly. Like, it's a fantasy football game, right? We're picking football players on a fake team and all that. Like, it's pretty fucking silly. 
but it's actually very complex as it uh, as it pertains to best ball especially where i'm drafting this team in a shit if you're drafting on DraftKings against a million other people i'm drafting it in june and it plays out for four months from september to the beginning of january and then everything happens in that week 17 you know on new year's day and i'm drafting them now and like how do i go about you know doing all this like is it just my rankings and my projections is it this week 17 correlation nonsense is it uh structure right last year was everything was structure it's structure this structure that what i mean i don't know the answer no one no one knows the answer but what ken talks about is kind of that this premise that um i think uh, i'm trying to think of what it what it was called uh, there's a, a fallacy in like the philosophy world or whatever that's called the uh, like causes like fallacy it is this idea that in order to reach something that we're trying to achieve we look for the things that are like that to get there right if i want to know when i should take my first running back i should just look at when people took their first running back in the last couple of years right oh they 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 took the winning teams or the teams that advanced the most or whatever took a running back in the first couple of rounds i should take a running back in the first couple of rounds but what what it turns out to be true over any complex discovery like best ball optimal roster construction is that the things that you need to figure out the stepping stone that gets you to that actual solution is not the thing that resembles the end goal, right? If I'm trying to find an optimal roster construction, it may seem like I should just look at last year's optimal roster construction, but in, but in, in fact, any complex discovery, that's not what happens. It's actually not it at all. <laughs> like, in fact, you're actually going to over the course this this is like a historic thing of any invention. He lists like tons of examples. But the best example that he talks about is the computer. Certainly the computer is far more complex than best ball. And you would think, oh, well, it's just technology, right? Some smart guy was like, they had this idea. We need the computer. I, I have no idea if that's true or how it even got invented, to be honest with you. Dad, you need the computer. So we have this part and this part and this part, and we put it all together. And in fact, that wasn't actually true. And the thing that created the computer uh, invention, which is mind-blowing, is this thing that I'd never even heard of before called the vacuum tube. So vacuum tube, it, it, it's called a vacuum tube, but it, it doesn't have to do like, it's not like a vacuum. As, as you see here, uh, this is what it looks like. Um, it's not. A, a vacuum right but so a vacuum tube was around like the 1700s or something like that was when like vacuum tube was discovered like basically when electricity started the vacuum tube started and so people were able to figure out hundreds of years later that like oh this is the thing that's going to power this computer that i'm now i'm literally looking into this computer talking to you guys you're probably watching me on a computer or your phone which came from the computer right it was this thing that had nothing to do absolutely nothing to do 
with any of the stuff that we would think of with computer, but the vacuum tube was a stepping stone that led us, that led us uh, uh, to this, you know, monumental experiment. And like every huge discovery ended up being that way. And the funny thing is when you start to think about it, it's like, if, if everything did in life, like real life, if everything did resemble, um, if the process of discovering one of these things did always resemble what we were trying to discover, right? If, if the cure to cancer, they talked about this on the show, if the cure to cancer looked like what we think it should look like in our research and stuff, we would have cured fucking cancer, <laughs> you know, because it would be, it would be like causes like something like what we think cures cancer is going to cure cancer. So thus we would discover it. Right. Same thing with this best ball game is like, if, if we like all our ideas about what the optimal roster construction is, we're just that we would have figured the shit out already. And it would, the game would be boring. We would just draft like, I don't even know what drafts would look like, right? If if it was just like, well, look at last year. Last year said draft running backs here, here, and here. Draft wide receivers here, here, and here. Apply it to this year. Wash your hands and be done. But in fact, that's not true. It, that's not how the world works. The world is complex, right? And compl what what complexity means is like things don't look like what you think that they should look like. Right. The cure for cancer doesn't look. Why haven't we cured cancer? Because the cure for cancer doesn't look like what we think curing cancer looks like. And I, it sounds crazy to be talking about these subjects as, as it pertains to best ball. But you got to listen to that episode because it is if you're as into best ball as I am, you will have all these thoughts during this where you're like, holy shit. I've been thinking about all this stuff wrong. <laughs> I've been thinking about I, I've been trying to to figure out how many wide receivers should I take? When should I take my first? Do I need the early tight end? Do I need this? And then you, when you go to try to, the question is a good question, which we'll get to more of that later. The question is a good question to ask, but how you go about solving it is never the way that you think that you should go about solving it. Um, and best ball is complex. It's a crazy freaking game that we play. Like when you really, when you really like start to map it out, it's batshit crazy. It's absolutely batshit crazy that we're drafting fantasy football teams, 18 players that we never get to make roster moves, even though it's June. We put $25 in onto underdog and we draft a team with hopes of winning $2 million and someone is going to do it. And you're going to draft it way before the season starts. And then the season's going to play out and week 17 is going to get here. And guess what? You had the best team all year long. One of the best teams all year long. And you get to week 17 and it's like, Oh, you know, Cooper cup gets hurt in the first quarter and he was a stone cold smash. And now nothing. Now I don't, now I don't make any money. I make $500, even though I had the best team. Um, it's very complex. It's like insanely complex. There's a reason why we why we talk about why 
here on why Spike Week exists and why we have a show every single day is because of how complex this thing is. And so um, let's talk about how, like, what the fuck does that mean, right? I've rambled for 20 minutes about what, what the fuck does all that, like, why, why is that relevant? Like, why, why, is, all, why is all of that, all of that relevant? Doug says, um, I was thinking the other day, everyone is all in on week 17, but what if you stacked week 15 and just smacked all these, <laughs> smacked all these week 17 stacks and now you're top dog. So many ways you could win this thing. And that's 100% true. You'll actually see what I get to when I start to talk about this year's stepping stones. But what what this um, what Ken in this in this uh, in this uh, you know God damn it I don't have this in slideshow mode so I say what the f- what, what 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 is a stepping stone so that's what he gets to is he said why I kind of talked about these first couple of bullets already like why greatness cannot be planned right every and it's it's crazy when you go through all these. Like it's mind blowing when you go through all these examples and you're like, damn, that happened with the computer, that happened with airplanes, that happened with the internet, that happened with TVs, that happened with the cell phone, that happened with iPhones. Like Steve Jobs didn't just say, like, oh, I'm a you know, before before the iPhone existed, it wasn't Steve Jobs just going, you know what? I have this crazy mad scientist idea that doesn't exist and we have no idea how to do it. I'm going to a phone in your hand and it's a computer and it's a camera. He didn't think that it's the stepping stones to get there all got created, right? The technology eventually, like someone discovered something that allowed that thing to happen. And then you take the stepping stones and you combine them all together. And now you, and now you have, and now you have something. And that's that's a really really interesting like premise for uh, for best ball specifically where it's like we're trying to create the iPhone, <laughs> you know we're trying to create the iPhone, but we probably don't have all those stepping stones right. The camera that you can put into a phone doesn't exist yet. Um, the internet doesn't exist yet, and maybe even cell phones don't. You know the ability to to put a phone in your hand doesn't exist yet, but we're trying to find all those answers when this is the big thing about the, what the fuck is a stepping stone is what we should really kind of be doing is looking at all the interesting shit that's going on in best ball. Instead of saying, I'm going to set out to find out how many wide receivers I should draft, or I'm going to set out to what's the right structure. Zero running back, robust running back. You don't set out to create the iPhone, just like you don't set out to find out what the optimal structure is. You, you, you look for the stepping stones. You, you look in all the interesting places, right? We're doing all this analysis. We're doing all this strategy talk. And you look in these interesting places. Um, and they mention the word interesting a lot. And you see in the third bullet here, I said, don't, don't look for right versus wrong. Don't look for when I look at last year's best ball mania data, or when I look at what people are doing this year, I'm not trying to look at right versus wrong. I just want to see what's interesting. And the the big thing is, this this quote is will stick with me for the rest of my life. Is almost no prerequisite to any major invention 
was invented with that invention in mind. But it was invented with someone looking at something interesting. And that something interesting led to a stepping stone. The stepping stone led to the iPhone, right? It wasn't, I have this goal of this crazy, this thing. Steve Jobs said, this, this is, that's not what happened. There were these stepping stones and he said, hmm, that is a thing, right? I'm going to combine those things and I'm going to create something cool. The other Apple related thing that was really interesting to hear is remember, do you guys have iPads? Does anybody still have use iPads? I don't know. I'm, I have one around here somewhere, but it, it's, it hasn't been dusted off in forever. But I remember when the iPad came out and it was like, Oh my God, this thing is fucking awesome. I don't have to use a computer. I can just, it's like a little bigger phone. It's, it's like kind of a laptop, but kind of a phone. And like, this is cool. Like this thing is cool, but you didn't go buy the iPad because of whatever features or problems it said it solved. You were just like, that thing is fucking cool. That thing is interesting. Cause it was a stepping stone, right? It was a stepping stone to like, I don't know, this thing could be, I can figure something out with this puppy, <laughs> right? I can do my best ball drafts without having to get out my laptop, but I can see it a little better and do a lot more stuff than, uh, than on my phone or whatever, you know, obviously different times I can surf the web and it's not quite as small and, and it's, it's much more like a laptop, but I don't have to like put it on my lap. It doesn't get hot. Right. There's like a ton of cool stuff you could do with it. It was interesting. That's why the iPad was popular. Cause it was, fucking fascinating but not because it was uh you know solves world hunger um and so you see interesting looking into the interesting stuff that leads to stepping stones and then the stepping stone is what leads to finding you know they talk about greatness but that's what leads to major inventions you find how do you find the iphone the iphone is that you look at the interesting stuff. You The interesting stuff helps create a stepping stone. The stepping stone creates the iPhone, right? And so the iPhone is our optimal, right, in best ball. Our iPhone is, someone please tell me when I'm supposed to take my first running back. <laughs> someone please tell me which running back I'm supposed to take. That's the iPhone. We, we probably don't have all the stepping stones to answer all those questions. However, we're all setting out to answer those questions. And I think that's good. That's, that's what we should be doing. We should be investigating like best ball is interesting. Just about all this stuff is interesting. So we should be diving into those interesting facets, right? Look at last year's absolutely. Look at last year's best ball mania data. Look at best ball mania one. If we could, we would look at the DraftKings stuff, right? Look at Fanball or whatever. Look at, at, you can look at advance rates. All that stuff can be interesting, but it doesn't mean it's a stepping stone just because you it is interesting. Interesting leads to the stepping stones, but people, people set out with an objective in basketball first. And that's why 
we create strategy that's probably not optimal. We say, my objective is to learn how many wide receivers I should take on this team. My objective is to learn, should I draft robust running back or zero running back? Or how when should I take my first running back? Do I need an elite tight end? I set objectives and I say, that's my thing I'm trying to solve. And then I go do it in a way that's like, okay, let's go look at last year. That will tell me, right? That should tell me. But it doesn't tell you. It doesn't actually tell you. And history for hundreds of, for human civilization tells you that it's not going to tell you that. But we don't have, and and this is the hard part, I think, to, to accept. It's the hard part for me. It's the hard part for everybody. We may not have the stepping stone yet. And they talk about this as well on the podcast, which is really powerful, where they said, well, like, what if you just set out to build the airplane in the 1800s? You know, this is, I actually don't know when that, this is going to make me sound really stupid. In the 1700s, when was the airplane invented? Now I have to Google this. When was the airplane invented? 1903. Okay, good. So we set out to, we set out to, to invent the airplane in 1840. Well, that would actually be really fucking stupid because the stepping stones to find the airplane to invent the airplane didn't exist. You wouldn't, you, it, it would, it would be a crazy thing to go out and try to build the airplane before the stepping stones to get there even existed. But once they existed, now you can build it in best ball. We're at this point where I don't think the stepping stones exist. There are stepping stones that exist, which is what we're about to get into. But that doesn't mean all the stepping stones to every problem we want to solve exist. And so that's why we should talk about some of these things that we think maybe are stepping stones or at minimum are interesting and discuss those. And that's that's the thing we should be doing, not setting out with this objective in mind. And this whole, th this is like, like I said, this is like shaped how I'm like thinking about life. And like I said, I, I said this at the top where it was like, if you know me, you know that I like to think about shit like this. <clears throat> and obviously we're doing a freaking hot dog eating competition tomorrow. So, you know, we like to do stuff a little bit out of the box here, but I think. But I, I think this is these are the kinds of conversations we should be having. We could get to the season and this whole thing honestly be bullshit. And that's okay. But I would rather talk about like, how does all of this apply? <clears throat> or what if we think about this thing like this, where like someone, there's no one in best ball smarter than this fella can. There's absolutely no one smarter than Kenneth Stanley in best ball. But we think we but we think we know better. Right? There's the IKB drafters. I know better. Everybody knows better in best ball. But we have these brilliant people that are telling us this is kind of how the world works. And I think it's it's really helpful to like think about this silly little game that we're playing through this kind of kind of a lens. Um, let's hit a couple questions and comments before we hop into 
so we've talked about all this, right, for 30 minutes. But I really think it's important to kind of hammer home <clears throat> where I'm even coming. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? You're my whole life. They've been set a goal, set an objective and go achieve it. And you're telling me don't do that. And one thing that they also do talk about, which was fascinating, was like, it's mostly about these like big complex things. It's not about like lose weight. I have a goal and objective for like losing weight and getting into better shape as and, and but we've kind of solved that one. Right. Generally speaking, there are proven methods. I mean. Uh, operate at a calorie deficit, like pretty much it. Like <laughs> you can eat a cheeseburger if you want, but just operate at a calorie deficit. You're going to lose weight. You know, there's more to fitness than that, but. We've solved those things, right? I want to run a six-minute mile. We've solved that. This isn't, that's not what we're talking about. But this complex thing that we haven't solved, we, we certainly haven't solved best ball. Some people might think that they have, but we certainly haven't solved best ball. And so um, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. DJA Dog says, trying to take these concepts and apply it to other best ball games. I love the playoff best ball. Dude, the playoff best ball contest. I'm like, we've done so much content already and stuff around this upcoming NFL season. I'm like, I'm like almost ready for the playoff contest already. <laughs> but those are actually the playoff contests, I think, are the most fun ones because this type of stuff is like really powerful in those contests because it's, it's a lot more, it's scenario based. Fantasy football is scenario based, but it's a little different over the course of a 17, you know, 17 game season, 18 week season. Um, it's a little bit different. The playoff contests are, that, that's my favorite. The strategy around the playoff contests is amazing because, you know, there's many different elements that have basically never existed in fantasy football before, like the advancing stuff and, you know, uh, not just like your team advancing, but the, the the players on your team, you need them to win. Like it's not just one thing to be like, I drafted Devontae Adams and he had 30 fantasy points. I also need his team to go to the Super Bowl or whatever, you know, which is like such a fun element. And I love these kinds of conversations because I mean, you think we haven't solved regular best ball? You think like you think regular best ball is complex? Playoff best ball. We are so far away from the right answers. It's not even funny. Um, D Webb says most people <clears throat> in DFS and best ball are conditioned to primarily use the right analytical in quotes, analytical side of their brain. But I think you're using your left creative in quote or in a, in a quote, uh, Jesus Christ in parentheses, creative side. And it's key. And that also gives you paths to the first a hundred percent. I like to, I appreciate this comment. This is a, a really good comment. Um, and I like to think that that's how I try to approach the game. I'm not going to like out math people. And like, honestly, if I wanted to like pull up basketball mania data and like run analysis on it, like I can, I can do that. That's a, it's not of interest to me. And B your second point is I think, the most important part is thinking 
creatively, being thoughtful is the way I like to always phrase it is being thoughtful allows you two different paths to the to this stepping stone, which allow you two different paths to um you know achieving greatness right and um i think it's important to like think about and we're also in the right part of the off season where like i think it's like what do you want like what do you want me to talk about zero running back again you want me to talk about trey lance again like we don't need to do that but we can take some very unique approaches to this to this game and um I think that's the fun part. Douglas says, interesting. A lot of these winning teams went RB, RB and had no more than five RBs, but we're all in on zero or hero running back. Um, so two things I would say. Definitely. Um, I think quite a few, you know, so it, it's also site dependent. RB, RB uh, was certainly successful last year. But I wouldn't say that, I mean, I, I'm i closer to all in on zero and hero running back, but that actually has a lot to do with what we're talking about <clears throat> uh, today, that if last year's data was the solution, it would be easy and this game would be solved. The, the thing is, is that it's not, it's a peer-to-peer -peer game and there's a lot more that goes into it and the market is not all in on hero or zero running back. I can assure you of that. <laughs> uh, the market may be, you know, balancing out how they structure their teams more now than they ever have in terms of maybe there's going to be more zero running back teams this year, more hero running back teams this year. But in general, the, the casual uh, fantasy football player, I think it was a, uh, so Connor uh, Drico, Drico out on, on Twitter uh, I believe he posted something like it's like 4% based on, again, this is based on historical. So this is not necessarily projecting forward. It could be higher. It was something like 4% of the entire, um, you know, like best ball draft pool drafted zero running back teams. So nine, so, so right off the bat, that's only four. So there's basically like four structures, right? Robust running back, um, what I would call superhero running back or dual running back, two early running backs, two in the first three-ish rounds. Hero running back, as you mentioned, which is one early and then waiting, and then zero running back, right, which is just waiting in general. Basically four structures. And so if, if we were all in on zero and hero, they would combine for more than 50%. Well, one of them is only about 4%. <laughs> zero. And hero is certainly not making up the rest of that to get to 50%. So the, the market is still not drafting zero and hero running back teams. They're still very running back heavy at the top. Now, is it less than it was three years ago? Yeah, it is, but it's still not, it's still not heavy, right? Which is also part of what skews some of this. If I go look last year and I say, what won last year? Well, if, everybody in the tournament is drafting in one way. Of course, it's naturally going to win more. It's going to have a better there's if there's if there's a million teams, if there's 
if if there's a hundred thousand teams and eighty thousand of them thousand of them draft one way and twenty thousand of them draft the other way, even if the twenty thousand is better, the eighty thousand still has a better shot to win because it's four there's four times more. <laughs> Sixty thousand more teams have those structures. So of course it's more likely to win. But to this point, we're to 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 this conversation we're having today, we're we're using that to say, I, I'm setting out to find out what the optimal structure is, and I go look at last, look at how many of the finals teams were RBRB. Yeah, but how many of the how many of the entire pool drafted early running backs, right? And then we start to take into game theory elements, and we start to take in a lot more strategy elements, and no one's doing that part. And even if they were. I don't think we, I don't, I, I don't, it's interesting to the, to the original. Com- it's interesting. And it, we might be closer to a stepping stone, but I think it's mostly just interesting and we should continue to explore it because it's interesting, but it's not a, it's, it, we haven't solved this. And I think most of the time people will say, look at last year. We've, this is the right way to do this or the wrong way to do this. Or, oh, now we have two years of, we have two years of best ball mania data. Now we know, now let me set my goal and I'm going to find out what the right roster structure is. But it's not, it's just not how the world works. Right. We have years and years and years of data and like a million other things. Like we have like 10,000 X more than that. We have like several orders of magnitude, more data on like tons of other way more complex problems than best ball. And we, and and we don't have, we have not achieved the answer. We've not achieved the, whatever this, you know, fake end goal that we've made up. Right. We, we certainly haven't cured cancer or tons of other things. We're spending a little bit more time and money and data on that. But in best ball, didn't you see what one, Last year, that's it. That's it. Early running backs, less wide receivers, more quarterbacks. We know the answer, but we don't is the thing. We don't know the answer. So what do we do, right? We've talked about like how to maybe think differently about this whole thing, but like now, now like what do I, what do I do, right? What, what can I use, I think, as, as a bit of a stepping stone? And I, th- I think we have a few, actually, honestly. I, I think we have a few. The very first one that is the most fascinating to me and has been the most fascinating to me um, is player archetypes. <clears throat> and let me caveat this with sometimes these stepping stones can also... It's not that they're going to go away, because that the point of the stepping stone is that you found it and now you want to start to like maybe combine the stepping stones to figure out to achieve greatness right but we are only maybe we we may never find a, another stepping stone this year or we next year we may not find one or next year we may find the holy grail i don't know but we need all these 
people to look at all these interesting things. And I think these are some, as you see, as you see six on the screen there, I think, I do think there are about these six that are kind of some stepping stones <clears throat> to us figuring out how, how to more optimally construct our basketball teams. First one, archetypes. We'll try to run through these in, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. Players, right? A running back is not just a running back. Even like a you know, a quarterback is not just a quarterback. Players are archetypes. And I don't think we've, I don't think we've, so why have we not achieved, you know, greatness in terms of picking the best players? It's because we're, we have a stepping stone in archetypes, but we haven't quite figured out what that means, right? It's interesting. It's a stepping stone, but it's not something that is, uh, you know, the end all be all of everything. And we probably haven't even like really figured out what it totally truly means. Right. Handcuff running back is there's different kinds of handcuff running backs. We don't know yet, but we do know that archetypes in general are extremely important. JD McKissick is technically a running back, but he is not the same draft pick as Alexander Madison. Now I know they go a little bit different, but I was trying to think of a handcuff running back basically. Gus Edwards, like think about, think about the running, the running back position is the, probably the easiest one to archetype, but you have it at wide receiver too, right? Like JD McKissick, Tyrion Davis price, Gus Edwards, Tony Pollard, Donta Foreman, right? All these different guys are all running backs, but they're all very different archetypes. Tony Pollard and Antonio Gibson go in a similar range of drafts. James Cook and Kareem Hunt go in a similar range of drafts, but they're very different archetypes. And the archetypes all play into how we should construct our rosters. More than how many running backs should you take and how many wide receivers should you take, more than that, it's how do your archetypes play together. Right? If I draft Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams and Saquon Barkley to start my draft. Like JD McKissick has no use to me on that team as if I'm, I'm, I'm going to draft a hyper fragile team, right? I'm only going to draft four running backs. JD McKissick has no use to me on that team. Generally speaking, maybe you have a different, you, maybe you would put him into a different archetype than me, but you know, the archetype thing I think is a stepping stone to our strategy, a huge one, maybe the biggest one. Wide receivers are the, are the same thing. Jamison Williams goes in a similar area to Jarvis Landry. I'm just pulling names out of my ass. Devontae Parker and David Bell go in similar, similar ranges. They're, they're both wide receivers, but they're vastly different archetypes. So how do those fit into teams? More than should I take that player, more than should I take that position, is what archetype of, of player that individual player is, right? Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson are the same position. They go two rounds apart or whatever, but they're wildly different archetypes of position. Trey Lance, I guess, would be... Trey Lance and Tom Brady are wildly different archetypes, even though they're the same position and they go very similar. Um. DJA asks, how do you get best ball media data? I think um uh shout out to our good friend Hayden Winks. 
um, from Underdog. I believe that I'd have to go find it. He posted um, a link on their website, uh, Underdog Network, I think is what it's called, or Underblog or whatever. I'm not sure what the website is called, but um, Hayden posted a link to uh, last year's Best Ball Mania data. D Web says, thinking about the computer analogy, I wonder if fi- if five ye- if in five years we're still identifying build types by when you draft running backs. What if what if it's based off player archetypes? That's a fascinating idea. Dare I say, that's interesting, and we should explore that. But guess what? No one's exploring that. Why aren't we exploring that? Why is this, why is a why is a zero running back team only defined on when you draft your running back? Why isn't it defined on the archetype of running backs you select? Right? It's not zero running back if I take Travis Etienne or Brees Hall because of where they go. But what if they fit the archetype of zero running back, even though they go a little bit earlier? It's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, very interesting idea. So next one, playoffs. This one's like fairly self-explanatory, I think. Excluding drafters, shout out to drafters, excluding drafters, promo code spike on drafters for free $20 ticket. You know, got to be a corporate man. The playoffs, in the playoff formats, like Underdog and DraftKings, if you're not thinking about the playoffs, I really, I really do think you're ignoring a stepping stone to achieving greatness in best ball. <clears throat> you know, you people may disagree, but I, I think that just is what it is. What does that mean? What does a playoff focus mean? Now that is where I don't, I I don't have the answer. Right, I am personally a lot more focused on week seventeen. If you listen to Osimo, Osimo talked about week sixteen actually being a smidge more valuable. But Osimo would basically say, like, okay, week sixteen is a little bit more valuable, but week seventeen is also valuable. So he's looking at both of those. Some people, uh, who was a Doug or somebody in the chat, was like, well, what about week fifteen? Right, but the whole thing is that all the money, all the money is in the playoffs. All the upside is in the playoffs. And you're not going to sacrifice much advance rate by focusing on the playoffs if you're if you're doing it right. And so that's a stepping stone. It's 100% a stepping stone. I'm giving myself a better chance at winning these tournaments by looking at the playoffs. Now, we haven't figured out what that means in a super micro level, but it's it's definitely a stepping stone. Yeah, this is a great point. DJ says uh, the two dollar tournament on drafters is a game changer in exploring all this. It's a ignore that playoff part, but uh, it's uh, it's definitely a game changer. I love this idea too. Um, yesterday, I had Mike Leone from Establish the Run on Best Ball Bros. If you haven't listened to that, Mike is awesome. So good, so smart. Gives such such great insight every time. Uh, every time I talk to him. And uh, we talked about like different contests and that kind of thing. And so this fits into that conversation where like imagine a a quarter arcade for best ball where people could really like dive in and and experiment with different stuff. And it would allow, you know, 
uh, any literally any bankroll could 150 max uh, the quarter arcade. So that's a pretty good idea. Maybe I'll try to hit somebody up. I love that idea. Uh, next one. This one is um, something I actually just only recently. I, w- I wasn't even sure if I was going to kind of uh, include this as a stepping stone, but it, I actually feel pretty strongly about this now. Is as you see the third bullet firing day one at new contests, and I actually think this is like a a huge deal <clears throat> that we don't and we never talk about this, right? Because we want to talk about players. We got to do rankings. Posting a player take on Twitter gets more engagement. Doing a YouTube show that's like, here's my top 50 wide receivers. That's that, you know, people like to talk about players more than this stuff. But every new contest that opens has market flaws on day one. My favorite example from this year was I draft I, I I actually am very mad at myself for not drafting more best ball mania teams on the day that it opened. But in, on day one, um best ball mania three ADP was like really old and stale ADP. Like there isn't a good way for them to launch the ADP on that first day, particularly with rookies and, and some of that stuff. And so a lot of rookies did Sky Moore, as an example, didn't have an ADP. James Cook didn't have an ADP. These are guys going in the top nine rounds or whatever now. Didn't have ADPs. You could take advantage of that, right, in certain draft rooms. And I I had one team that I got Sky Moore in the last round. I got James Cook in, like, the 16th round. I got, like, a lot. Uh, the team is, if you want to talk about ADP value, loaded. Absolutely loaded. And you can't get you're you're literally never gonna get that any other day in that contest. <clears throat> Superflex. We just we just finished um for anyone watching this now and on into the into the future, the Superflex tournament, uh the puppy butt superflex is closed. But day one in the Superflex, ADP hadn't wasn't efficient yet. And people can't help but draft off of what they see on their screen, right? And so if the ADP is inefficient on that screen, you you're just naturally going to get values. Like I was like I had one, I think that was maybe my favorite. I had Kyler and Jalen Hurts at the one two turn, and then just a bunch of wide receivers and running backs in the middle rounds that were, you know, way underpriced because it was old ADP. You get Gabe Davis and Mike Williams and the Broncos wide receivers and all these guys that have risen several rounds in ADP. You get them at crazy cost because simply just because of your on day one. Now it's a little bit of random chance by being in that room, but that's part of it. And so I want a part of my portfolio over the course of the summer, the day that those new contests drop, I want to be in there. How much do you, you know, that's up to each person. How much do you fire? You know, how much of your bankroll do you put into those days is all absolutely different for every single person. But it's a it's a stepping stone to to right if 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 greatness in best ball is winning a lot of money which it is it's all I mean we're all here to make money right if greatness in best ball is making money putting 
dedicating time on day one of new contests, 100%, in my opinion, is, is a stepping stone. Fluidity and roster construction. This is one um, I don't think people talk about enough. I've spent the whole uh, this whole freaking episode talking about like, oh, you know, how many wide receivers should you draft and how many running backs should you draft and all of that. And I, what I actually think is a stepping stone is that's mostly bullshit. When you get into the later rounds, I don't think that that matters. And like, I don't, I actually don't know why we've decided that. that like, at what point did we decide? Whatever, uh, a, a sixth running back versus a ninth wide receiver mattered. Like, why? I I don't I don't really understand it. Um, it comes down to this other, like all the other shit matters more. The posi- like the position, it doesn't like. Of course, positions matter, but like that kind of those last couple picks. Is like, is it a third quarterback or is it a third tight end or is it a sixth or seventh running back or is it a ninth or tenth wide receiver? Everybody loves to be like, oh, you took 10 wide receivers. It's like they made more sense on this team or like, oh my God, you took seven running backs. It, you need to be fluid in all of that. That to me is a stepping stone. Uh, D Webb was talking about like instead of instead of identifying builds by when you drafted running backs, like doing it off player archetypes, it's the same idea for this for fluidity. Why do I identify like what I would classify that team by how many of each position? Like it's not about how many of each position, it's about the specific players. And like if the if we look up this board, right? If I'm looking up this screen that you're seeing, if archetypes and playoffs and all that kind of stuff and firing day one, like I'm drafting day one, and there's an archetype in the 18th round that fits the playoff focus, right? It fits my team, blah, blah, blah. Why the fuck does it matter whether it's a running back or a wide receiver or a tight end or whatever? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Obviously, you don't want to draft two running backs. Like there's a, you have to, you have to pay the table stakes to get into the game, right? There's an ante of a certain level of of uh, of a roster you have to build. But once you reach that point, that other stuff doesn't matter. But we we love to spend months talking about like, should you take the tenth wide receiver? And people are like, LOL, you took ten wide receivers. It's like, yeah, sometimes I do take ten wide receivers. Sometimes I take seven. I draft them for when it makes sense on that team. My stepping stone is the fact that I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about making the, that team as best as I can and being fluid. Drafting skill. Dra- <laughs> uh, my co-host tomorrow, Rob, is now in the chat. He says, I'm late. Did he eat all 20 hot dogs? Uh, fuck you. First of all, let's just get that out of the way. I'm dreading that tomorrow. I try not to think about it because it triggers me thinking about eating 20 hot dogs. Um, Yeah. I literally mentioned early, like on this episode that like, I'm trying to like eat better and get into better shape. And then we're doing a bit of drafting a best ball team and eating a hot dog every time we make a pick. And we chose the, we chose the platform that's 20 rounds. God forbid 
I did this too. This was this was my choice. God forbid we go on underdog where at least it's only 18. But no. 20 hot dogs in an hour. No big deal. Um, GA says, I did 10 Superflex puppy drafts day one that night. And my dog just woke up like in a nightmare. Must have been having a nightmare. Uh, I have a nightmare thinking about the Superflex drafts too. And uh, 10, 10 Superflex puppy drafts day one. And that was it. After seeing the ADP the next day, no way could I get the QB value like I got the night before. Stepping stone. Want to make money? Get get in on get in on day one. Uh, best ball moderate says my best performing team from last year was like a four three seven four team, right? And if you posted that to Twitter, everyone would laugh at you. Honestly, if you uh, um, if like you drafted it with us on a stream and you. And we did, you know, uh, uh, we were uh, uh, ship chasing, saucing, saucing teams. We would like laugh at you, <clears throat> like LOL, way to burn that twenty five dollars. But like that, it, that that's not, it's not, that's not true. It's not real. It makes for good content, but it's not true. Baby Stevie says range of outcomes after. <laughs> Shit. Range of outcomes after eating 20 hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> my my range of outcomes is really slim. It's I'm either gonna go go I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go pass out in my bed or I'm gonna go pass out on the couch or I'm gonna be in the bathroom. So whatever that I guess I guess I guess that range is a little bit wide, but there's only a few outcomes in it. The 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 outcomes, the range is wide, but the the specific outcomes. There's only a few of them. Um, drafting skill. All right, let's hit a couple last last couple of these because you guys have hung out with me uh, through this kind of weird, weird philosophical talk, but uh, the kind of things that I like to think about. Uh, and honestly, this is my YouTube channel, so so that's just how it goes. Drafting skill, 100% a stepping stone. You can do all the projections, the analysis. You can grind film. You can, you can be a game theory expert. You can do, you can, you can, you can know all these fucking stepping stones that we're talking about. You can do whatever you want to do and be like the most brilliant mind at all these different theories and strategies. If you can't get into a room and be able to navigate, no matter what that room is doing and implement all of these stepping stones, then like, who cares? <laughs> oh, you, you could recite the advance rates of every structure in best ball mania too, but you can't implement them when you get into a draft because you're not an actually good drafter. Then who cares? doesn't matter. So like draft that's if the, if, if I were to, uh, put a practical definition to this drafting skill thing from a stepping stone perspective, it would be you need to draft a lot of teams like a lot. And that's why uh, like the quarter arcade idea was really good. The $2 here on drafters is awesome. The $3 currently on it's, which is only 20 max on DraftKings. 
Um, but when we get these $5 contests, I would just draft and draft and draft and draft. If you, if, if this is something you're passionate about, because the only way to develop that skill is drafting. You can do all this research, but none of that shit matters. If you can't, if you can't implement it in a draft and think on your feet and think on a 30 second clock, right? You're, you're walking your dog or you're cooking dinner. Those are the things that I do. So those are the examples that come to my mind. I like to draft while I cook dinner or walk the dogs or whatever. Uh, our, our good friend, Chris Spaggs, um, who was on ship chasing last night, which was phenomenal and is on splash play uh, and was on uh, best ball bros a couple of weeks ago and was on the best ball Royal rumble, all things that you need to go watch uh, <laughs> drafts while like feeding his baby you know, his newborn three month old baby and stuff like that. Like if you can't draft while doing those things and implement all this shit, then you need to draft more. It's like, that's a stepping stone being able to draft. And the last thing, which I think is, I probably, I probably could have left this one off, but I think it's in the drafting skill bucket, but like tied to it and correlated. But, um, understanding the player pool in the draft landscape is a hundred percent a stepping stone. You can, so we spent this whole time like talking about all these theoretical ideas, like how many running backs should you take? And then we talked about, well, look at last year or even look, we have fan ball data for 10 years that tells us this. And like, none of that shit matters similar to the drafting skill thing. None of that matters if you can't apply it every year is a unicorn, right? They're new players being drafted in new spots, new coaches. Devonte Adams is on the Raiders, right? Like, like Aaron Rodgers doesn't have Devonte Adams. Now Trey Lance is that Trey Lance is hopefully not a backup this year. There's so many nuances to every single year. And then that creates a like a landscape and a draft environment that is that is very different. And if you don't understand it, again, same thing. So that's why it's kind of like paired with draft skill. If you don't understand that environment, like so, like every environment is a stepping stone, right? The drafting skill is a macro. All these other things are a macro stepping stone. That drafting landscape and that specific player pool is something you have to apply for each individual year, but it is an individual stepping stone for that. For 2022, understanding the entire player pool, how that draft's going to play out. Oh shit, this didn't go according to plan to start, right? I got in a ship chasing draft or I got in a spike week draft and wide receivers went crazy. What do I do now? I need to know the player pool and I need to know what's available to me later and all those kinds of things in order to effectively um, draft and stepping stone, right? Um, stepping across because I, I have that base core knowledge of the player pool and the draft and the draft landscape. So that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Thank you for uh, dealing with me and my crazy, um, you know, theoretical exercises of the thing of these uh of these best ball you know the fact that we're applying that i'm listening to a just an absolutely brilliant computer science professor 
talk about something way more profound and applying it to best ball. It's like kind of really funny, but I really do think some of the, some of the greatest ideas I've ever had, not just in, not just in best ball, actually really not. I mean, best balls, we've only been doing this thing for a year here at spike week, but in DFS, in season long, in sports betting or whatever, they actually tend to come from, something not in that field you listen to a business person or a professor or whatever someone smart in a totally different field and they talk about some concept and it's like ding 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 that makes so much sense for my field and um that's where i learned the most actually is trying to apply some of those things if you missed the top of the episode tomorrow, you see me. You see me struggling. Yep, more. He's he he's also mad about this because uh, uh, we're gonna eat a lot of hot dogs tomorrow. Fourth of July draft club tomorrow around lunchtime. Be on the lookout. So just just uh, do the Voldemort thing and click that button down here for for the channel and you'll be notified uh, when we're going live tomorrow, we are going to do a drafters best ball, a mini, mini best ball championship, $2 and two and 22 cents to get into the contest. And we are going to draft a 4th of July team and pull a Joey chestnut and Kobayashi and try to eat as many hot dogs as we can during the show. We are going to force ourselves to eat one, per every pick that we make. We may or may not do some fun giveaways. I think I might give away uh, some t-shirts or something for people uh, that are going to hang out and watch me make myself vomit on hot dogs. Um, but I, I am going to go, I am going to pre-make those tonight. So uh, don't, don't like at me in discord or anything like that. Cause I'm going to be making fucking 20 hot dogs. I hate my life. I will see you guys tomorrow. I can't even I was gonna say something absolutely ridiculous about the hot dog thing. Just 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 come watch the hot dog show. I'm I I I'm trying to be positive about it, but it's not there's nothing positive about eating 20 hot dogs in an hour. See you guys tomorrow. Yeah.